0: Everybody ready today? So glad you all are here celebrating labor. (laughs) Go labor. (laughs) Celebrating labor by taking the day off. Praise God. I have some things to get into today that are real important. Uh, And you can follow along in your Bibles on your Bible apps with me if you'd like. Uh, However, I'm putting most of our scriptures today up on the screen just because of the nature of this type of message. I started a series a few weeks ago uh, called We Are Life Church. In this series, we are talking about our DNA. We're discussing what makes Life Church go, why we do what we do, how we do it, where we're going, and uh, there are some things that are very unique to this house, okay? We have a lot in common the main things in common with all the, all the body of Christ around the world, and every real church. And then there are some, some attributes that are unique to us. And what God has called us to do. And of course, if we're gonna be in the same place at the same time, doing the same thing, endeavoring to seek after God and fulfill His will and plan for our lives as individuals, we recognize there is an individual side to that. There's also a corporate component where we do this together. And how many know if you're gonna do something together with others, you need to have the same information. All right, you need to be going the same direction, lest we be, uh, you know, at odds with one another or fighting against one another in in regards to making the progress that we need to make. And so, the last couple of weeks, I I shared with you about our values. Okay, and uh, how many how many enjoyed those values? You understand getting on the same page with that? If you if you didn't enjoy that, uh, I can't help you. I said it the best I could say it in the moment. Uh, (laughs) If you missed any of that by any chance, um, go on the website and get it. and Then you can understand what makes us tick. You can understand what drives some of our decisions and and why we do some of the things we do, what's really important to us. Everything from reverence for the holy to the spirit-filled and spirit-led life to steadfast faith and excellence and unity and personal growth and multiplication. We discuss some of these matters in, in not in great deep detail, but enough to where you can grasp the concepts of them and see how important they are, really, first of all, to the Lord. I don't want anything to be important to me if it's not important to Him. And, uh, but some things that we have adapted uh, for ourselves to be the main focus. Today, I want to go into another part of our DNA, and that has to do with our mission, all right. What are we supposed to be doing? Okay. What has God called us to do? Uh, I don't want to fall into the trap of of just repeating behaviors that have no clear direction to them. And you can easily do that. That's you know that could be called religion. You know that this cow always goes to this part of the pasture religion <laughs> nothing wrong with it per se in and of itself not not bad it's just why do you always go there why do you always do this well we should understand the outcome well we do that because this is what we're trying to accomplish this is what the lord has given us to accomplish and so we don't want to just go through the motions on a personal level and how many know, uh, if you, uh, you know, if you read your Bible every day, that's a good habit, right? Good practice. What if someone were to ask you, well, why do you do that? You know, would you have a good reason for it? Would you have a good answer? Or it, would it be limited to, I was told I was supposed to. Now, you could still reap benefits from a good healthy habit, even if you don't know why. Nevertheless, I think it's beneficial to know why yeah and uh, i think it's uh, it's helpful to know what we're uh, what the ultimate thing is that god wants us to accomplish we can we could talk about many things and probably quickly agree that it's a good idea we're supposed to worship god you know, we're supposed to gather together like we are here today. We're supposed to pray. We're supposed to uh, give. We're supposed to serve. All those are very important practices, and um, and we should all be involved in them. What What is the ultimate thing that God wants us to accomplish? In In getting there, in finding, in discovering, in in understanding the heart of God in regards to that question, I have gone to some of the last statements that Jesus made before he ascended to be seated at the right hand of the Father. Okay, so he lived his life, did ministry, died on the cross for you and for me, shed his blood on the third day, was raised again. And uh, and then in that period between the resurrection and... Uh, and when, when he you know, left visibly before some of his disciples, he made quite a few statements. And what we have is Matthew, he wrote some of them down. And Mark, he wrote some of them down. And Luke, he wrote some of them down. Jesus said a bunch, and they both kind of zeroed, uh, all of them, kind of zeroed in on specific aspects or parts of what he said. And that is, to me, most important. I mean, you think about it, if you were going on a trip, if you were leaving your uh, loved ones for an extended period of time, uh, you would probably give a lot of thought to the last things that you said. You would make sure, before I leave, I'm going to let them know this. And because of the timing, the way that it's said, they are going to give much weight to these words as far as, I'm out of here, and this this is what they're supposed to do now. Everybody with me today? So I just want to read some of these statements. are going to be very familiar to you. Um, If you've been a Christian, if you're not a Christian, these might all be brand new. Uh, But it'll help us to zero in on kind of the main thing. You know the old saying, always keep the main thing the main thing? I think that would be important for us as well. Jesus said this, according to Mark's gospel, chapter 16 and verse 15. And he said unto them, "Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature." All right. So one of the last things he said before he left, what what did he tell? Him? Go into all the world and preach the gospel. The last thing he didn't, last thing he said was not a myriad of other Christian activities that we could be involved with. That would be good. This was the thing he said. This is your assignment. This is your mission this is what you're supposed to do. The 20th verse it says uh, and they went out and preached everywhere the Lord working with them and confirming the word through accompanying signs. Amen. And so and so the Lord told them basically if I could put those two together preach the word with miracles. Preach the word with signs following. And uh, and, and so he wanted them to remember that. In in Luke's gospel, Luke chapter 24, he records this, beginning in verse 46, then he said to them, thus it is written, and thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached uh, in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem, and you are witnesses of these things. So it's the same thing. He's telling them, preach the gospel. Set it in a little more elaborated terms, repentance and remission of sins. And he says, you are witnesses of these things. So I'm, I'm getting this this thing the Lord wants his followers to do is to talk. <laughs> is to bear witness, is to tell them what they know, tell them what they've seen, tell them what, 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 what the Lord has done in their lives and what he has done for the benefit of all mankind. And then in Acts chapter 1, in verse 8, here's another part of that discussion. Uh, Jesus says here, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. That's Idaho, (laughs) (laughs) right? (laughs) Okay, I added that. I don't know if that's really there in the Greek. But it's the same language. He said, you're about to be doused with power. That's the baptism in the Spirit. And he said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to be witnesses of me everywhere you go, start here and go out into all the world. And 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 this is, uh, again, what the Lord emphasized, what he put his finger on, something they would never, ever forget. Do you remember, of all the sayings of Jesus, of all the things that he taught, of his great example, do you remember what he said right before he left? I imagine there will be some some people here, that you've had a loved one pass away, and you probably, if you, if you were able to have a, a last, well, I guess there's always a last conversation whenever that took place, but probably the last conversation, you remember that one for sure. You know exactly. And Jesus wanted them, and then he wants us to remember these final words. And so, what the Lord has called the church to accomplish is not up for debate, it's not about personal preference or our desire. Uh, he gave it to us. This is the big picture. This is ultimately all that matters. If we don't do this, our church is insignificant in the plan of God. I don't know about you, but I don't want I don't want to be a part of a church that doesn't really matter, even if we have you know, great tacos or something, or, <laughs> or you know, even if we have great food and great fellowship, you know what I'm talking about, great interpersonal relationships. That, that's important. Don't get me wrong. We want that. But if if that's all we have, but we don't do this, I I think we stand before God as not really that significant. We're not a part of what He gave the church to do. So, we want to keep ourselves right in the middle of his plan. Uh, Again, if we do these things, we play a significant role in eternity. I mean, a part of God's eternal plan, and we get to be involved in it. Yeah, and it's not that hard. I mean, it's not that, let me say it this way, it's not that complex. This is not difficult to grasp. It's just... People have a tendency, churches seem to have a tendency to get caught up in things that are secondary, third dairy, fourth dairy, fifth dairy, (laughs) amen, instead of of keeping the main thing there. And, And it's not that there's nothing else to discuss, but it should never displace or replace this main thing what the Lord has called us to be a part of. And so it all starts with lost people. And listen, people really are lost. That may not be the the most politically correct statement to make, but I'm not quoting myself, and this isn't coming out of my own mind. This is coming out of the words of the Master. People really are lost, and they really do need to be found. People are away from God. Amen. Yeah, you don't need to put that up there yet. You're way ahead of me. Don't look at that. (laughs) Is it gone? Out of your mind, I mean. People truly are lost, they need to be found, and, and, and this was one of the Lord's primary messages. In fact, in the scriptures, um, it, it's over in, in Luke chapter 15, he told three stories, back to back to back. It's interesting. He's, he's kind of illustrating the same point three different ways, the same main point. And, and I like how he gave three illustrations. It's like, I'm going to tell you this way, and then I'm going to tell you this way, and then I'm going to tell you this way. I really want you to get this. All right? Those stories were about—we're uh, not going to read them all—but the stories were about, uh, first of all, the lost sheep and, and how the, the shepherd would leave the 99 to go find the one that was lost— Okay, the next story was about the lost coin and about the woman who had 10 silver coins and lost one and how all the attention was placed on getting that coin. And then the third one was about the prodigal son. Okay, that son that left father's house went off into riotous living and the eventual story of that son's return. And in all three of of these stories of these il- these illustrations, these parables, uh, we see that there was great rejoicing that took place over what was found i mean it's a consistency. this happened, and then this happened, and people smiled, and they were happy, and there was great rejoicing over the sheep, the coin, the sun people celebrated. And what that can do for us, what it ought to do for us is give us heaven's priorities. Is revealed to us if this is what lights heaven up. If they start parties over this, what are we starting parties over? What are we celebrating? What are we giving all of our rejoicing time to? Yeah. Listen to the listen to the end of each of those stories. Luke 15:7. I say to you, Jesus talking, that likewise there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 just persons who need no repentance. More joy in heaven. And then Luke 15:10 about the coin there, here. Uh, Likewise, I say to you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. What happens with the angels? They get really, really happy. I don't mean they're depressed before that. You know, you can feel good. And you can feel good. (laughs) Everything can be fine. But then there are still moments of overwhelming, bursting forth joy and gladness. This is what makes that happen in heaven. And then the third one of the prodigal, uh, it, it said in verse 23, And bring the fatted calf here and kill it. And let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found, and they began to be merry. So I think most of us like a party. We like to be happy. We like to have fun. We like to laugh. We like to celebrate. That's, a, that's something that's of God that's in us. And how many know people do celebrate in the world for some things that maybe they shouldn't celebrate? <laughs> they, they, they celebrate over temporal things, sometimes even over ungodly things. But there is something that ought to unite every one of our hearts with the heart of the Father, with the angels of heaven, with every believer who has passed on into glory, is we rejoice when lost people are found. This is, what, this is what excites us more than ever, more than anything. I mean, I rejoice, as many of you do, over uh, people being healed. I rejoice, I rejoice regularly over healing, hearing the testimonies of healings from people here. Hallelujah. I'm shouting. And, but sometimes I think maybe we shout more over that than we do over a lost person being found. And I think we should flip it. Keep rejoicing over a prayer answer, a need met, a body healed, a relationship restored. We we thank God for every one of his blessings. But more than anything, Jesus didn't put, Jesus didn't tie heaven's celebration to those events. He tied it to the lost person being found. So we want to think like God. Approach people like he does. Amen. Jesus himself said in Luke 19.10, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Why did Jesus come? To save lost people. He's going to find them. He's looking for them, searching them out so they can be saved. What would you do if you had a child and you were, you know, back in the back in the old days when, uh, you know, there were sports, and, uh, <laughs> and and maybe you went to a Boise State football game, and you had a young child that you were carrying along, and and for some reason you lost their hand or something happened. You they were. Uh, they got away from you and you looked around all of a sudden because there were crowds of people and you looked around, you couldn't find them. You couldn't find your your child. What would you do? I mean, you might in the first moment think it'll be okay, we'll find them. But if you don't find your child after a few moments, you're starting to almost panic and you're starting to ask for help. And if you see security people, you see anyone, you're saying, hey, I lost my... Let's say, son, he's wearing a red—no, he's wearing blue. (laughs) But everybody's wearing blue. (laughs) I lost my son. Can you help me find him? Can you help me? Can you help me? And you don't even care about the game anymore. It just got deprioritized in your night's event. Now you've lost someone super important. And so all of your effort, all of your time, all of your energy, all of your emotion, it goes towards one thing. Finding what is lost. I think that's a better way to see heaven's priority system. We got a lot of things to talk about. And I don't mean you can't pray about other matters because God can multitask. (laughs) He can do many things at once. But I tell you, in the priority system, if we were to say, what should I pray about today? How about find someone you know that doesn't know the Lord, they're not saved, and pray for them first. I think you'd capture the heart of God. I think the angels around you would go to work to bring that to pass. Amen. I remember there, hearing a story many years about uh, a vision that Lester Sumrall had. He's in, in heaven, and he had this great vision of one day while he was preaching, everything disappeared, and he saw this vision of this highway and all these people from all around the world on this highway, and uh, he said, basically, they were going off into eternity and not in the good way. And uh when he saw this happening, he, he said, he, he basically he, he said uh, that these people had not even thought about eternity until it was too late. It wouldn't even cross their mind. And they're going off into eternity without even thinking about this. And the Lord brought a scripture to him uh, from Ezekiel. Ezekiel actually uses the scripture twice about how 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 if he warns someone or if he tells someone you're gonna die, and, and then Ezek- and he said, and if you don't warn him, he said my summary is basically, uh, you're being held accountable for them. And this was the Lord's way of telling uh, Brother Summerall about his worldwide ministry, because he, he kind of responded and said, I don't even know these people. How could, how could I be responsible in any way? Uh, and, and I think the Lord was telling him, you're called to the nations to reach people. And likewise, you and I may not be called to the nations in that same way, but there are people in our lives. I believe that we are called to. The Lord does want us to, to share with them, even to warn them, to tell them about God's great love and, and even the consequences at times of, uh, of rejecting him. And this is the heart of God. This is how he wants us to think, where he wants us to be in our behavior. This is what Jesus talked to his, his disciples about last. For what does it profit? If a man gains the whole world and himself is destroyed or lost. Amen? Can we keep our eye on that ball? Um, You know, I want to be faithful to what God has called me to do. And that's why I, with intention and emotion and with compulsion, share the gospel in these services. And at the end, week after week and month after month and year after year, do the same thing. It's important to me. One, for compassion for lost people. There's another side of it, though, too. I'm going to stand before God. And I don't know. There's some of you here today. This might be the only time I see you ever. I mean, you might not like me (laughs) or anybody else around here. (laughs) And that's understandable. (laughs) Uh, No, not them, but me. I mean, I'm not throwing anyone else under the bus. I'm just saying, the way I think is, I may have one shot. I'm not the Savior. I can't convince anybody to do anything, but I can share with you the gospel and give you a real decision point and say, so here it is. Do you want this? Say yes or no. Because what happens is too often in in the church world today... uh, people preach the word, and they tell what Jesus said, and then say amen, and go. everyone goes home, and no one's ever brought to a point of, well, what are you going to do with it? You're going you gonna to ignore this? You're going to accept this? What are you going to do? Because how many know you don't get saved on accident? You don't get saved by osmosis. How'd you get to heaven? Huh, I guess it got on me when I went to church that one day. <laughs> you no, know, this is a choice we make. And so, when you see me doing these things again and again and again and again and over and over and over and over again, uh, I'm not going to let up. If you think I'm going to get tired of it one of these days, I'm not. (laughs) And I don't really think it's up to me. I think, well, I mean, it is to obey, but the mission has been given to me by the Lord. And so, I want to follow that and fulfill that. We are not, sorry, I'm going too long on that part. This is a two-part, com, two-component part, two com parts to this mission. We are not just satisfied or ending our efforts when someone gets saved. Kind of like if someone fishes, you, you fish, catch the fish, and then clean the fish. Our job is not just to catch the fish, but then also to take it one step further. We do not stop after they get saved. And this is what Jesus emphasized in Matthew 28. So, we gave you Mark and Luke and Acts. Uh, Matthew said it this way in Matthew 28. And so, our, our mission is not just about converts, it is about disciples. It is about making disciples. That's what the Lord called us to do. It begins with the new birth, but then continues until disciplined followers of Christ are made. Okay, how many of you could testify either you were or you are or you know someone who received the Lord, but they never grew. They never matured. They never became a follower of Christ, really. They accepted the gift and just kind of let it lie right there. That's not what the Lord wanted us to do. He wanted us to give them the gospel, and then when those who would believe would be saved, and then to make disciples of them. Here's, here's another way to say it. Saved people must be taught. There is a real lack of knowledge that exists in many parts of the church world, but we must be taught the word. Ignorant Christians are defeated Christians. They are vulnerable to Satan's attacks. And so we recognize the need to receive eternal life. That is first and foremost. That's the biggest event for sure. But after you receive eternal life, you must receive the implanted word which is able to save your soul. It it, it has that that, that soul-mind-renewing impact upon your life. And so what they were told here to do, they and we, by the Lord, he said, make disciples of them. He said, teach them to observe. How many recognize that to observe means to act on what the Lord commanded? He said, teach them to observe what I command you. That means teach them to do something with what I tell you. Not This is different than teach them to know. Don't go into all the world and don't teach them to know stuff. What should that tell us personally? We shouldn't be satisfied with knowing things. Well, I know a lot of scriptures. I know a lot of verses. I have lots of notes. I've read lots of books. I've read the Bible. I, am, I know stuff. That's not what we're commanded to do. That doesn't make a disciple. That makes a big head. Sometimes that makes a proud person. Yeah? Don't teach them to know stuff. Teach them to do what I told them to do. This is our assignment. We don't, uh, again, I I draw a distinction between taking notes and taking steps. What are we actually doing? Attending a church. See, this is a good thing, what we're doing right here. Um, But how many know uh, attending a church is not really in the category of doing something? I know, that burst some bubbles there. I thought I was really pleasing God. Well, he loves you, period. But, you know, this is about receiving something. And I also understand that many of you are serving here today at the same time that you're coming. So there's a giving and receiving going on. So don't let me take everything away from that. But being in a church service is about the outflow, the overflow of God into your life. It is about getting filled up, filled with the word, filled with the spirit, receiving the presence of God in in fresh experience and manifestation. That's different than actually doing something. We don't want to fall into the trap, it ha- this happens with many churches, is the people start thinking of church like a cruise ship. We- has anyone ever been on a cruise? You go chill and people do everything for you and they feed you way too much food. But that's why, you know, it's a cruise. You're on vacation. You're kicking back. You're not there to do anything. You're there to receive stuff and just enjoy. That's not church. I don't, I don't mean there aren't any crossover components, but we ought to think of church as a fishing boat. We're here to catch fish. We're here to, we're here to work. Say, Sunday's my day off. No, it's not. Not from... <laughs> Not from a spiritual standpoint. We don't we're always engaged in the plan of God. And so we're looking to be a part of something that is catching fish, not just sipping on a drink. You all got real quiet on me. (laughs) I'm winding now. I'm gonna let you off the hook in a second, but I just want to let you know where we are where we are and and what, what we know that the Lord wants us to do. And I think obeying the Lord's commands must be personal, okay? I can't just do it for somebody else. You can't do it for another. It's got to become personal. Each person must own what God has called them to do, okay? With your life, with your gifts, with uh, what God has given you to do, all this comes to play in this is what we are to teach people to do, Amen. Everybody say, teach people, teach people to, do. to do. Yeah, not just teach them to know, teach them to do something. If I could, if I could sum this up and, and, and put this into one statement, what is our mission? What has the Lord given us to accomplish? What does he want us to do? He wants us to reach the lost and teach the found. It's not complicated. It's not, it's not complex. He wants us to reach the lost and teach the found. What are we going to teach them? Well, we're going to teach them, a, not to overuse the illustration, a boatload of stuff. We're going to teach them to do whatever he said, and, uh, and, and they're that, so that is, that, is, that is broad, but that's what we're called to do, and we're going to keep doing it again and again and again and again and keep reaching, keep teaching, keep reaching, keep teaching, keep reaching, keep teaching, keep reaching, keep teaching until he's done, until we're done, till we're out of here or the Lord comes back. But this is why. We do so many of the things that we do around here. It's not just to fill a calendar. It's not just to fill uh, the desire or preference that someone has who comes. But we have services like this. This is very intentional. We do these things on purpose, believing that the Lord wants us so that we can accomplish the mission. There's a reason we have our believers meetings as a totally different kind of service on Wednesday nights. That, that, that is also to this end, but a different different angle, different approach. There's a reason we do these events called our welcome lunch and our connect lunch. That's, those start again next week. There's a reason we're doing that, not because we have extra food. We need you guys to eat our food. No, it is about accomplishing the mission it is a it is to an end there's a lot there 's a reason to it there 's a reason we have life groups you 're getting the catalogs on the way out today You're, we have the expo next week there 's a reason we have those it 's to an end of accomplishing the mission there's a reason we have the classes that we do, you know, the life identity classes or the Holy Spirit classes. It, it's to serve a purpose. The Lord told us we have to do this. And some of these are tailor-made models that fit in our church, our country, our time. And, uh, but it is to that end. We have a dream team for a reason. Yeah, we think you'd be better off if you were a part of it. Literally. So we have Life Bible College for a reason. All these things were directed by the Lord, you understand, but they serve an ultimate purpose. We take missions trips to different places in the world. Why do we do that? Because it's a vacation? No. It's a different kind of trip. You want to go on vacation? I recommend other types of trips. Yeah? But we we take groups to other nations. Why? The Lord said. The Lord said. Well, am I supposed to go? Well, I don't know. You're supposed to go somewhere. Maybe it's across the street. I think we should start there. Cross the cubicle, cross the grocery aisle, wherever. We start here, you know. But maybe he wants you to go on a trip to Africa or another part of the world. Maybe he does. I, but he does want us to go, meaning us, the body of Christ. He does want us, as life church, to do these types of things. Amen. There's a reason we have people going into jails, the jails and prisons. There's a reason we have people going into the nursing homes, or they will again, as soon as they are demasked. <laughs> uh, uh, we have people going in uh, to minister downtown in the, in the, to people who are homeless. Why, why do you do that? What do you get out of it? What do you mean, what I get out of it? We don't do this because personally we benefit. I mean, secretly we do in eternity. The Lord rewards us for giving a cup of cold water to a little one. But our motive is for them. Jesus told us right before he left, he said, do this. If he only gave us one job, I think we could probably keep our eye on that and set aside some other things, some superfluous matters and focus on what he gave us to do. I want to encourage you today. Be a part of the mission. Be a part of it. I want to grab you a pole. Can I get you a poll? Someone else will put the worm on for you. <laughs> but let's all be a part. Seek the Lord. Say, where's my part? How can I contribute to the mission? How can I be a part of your eternal plan? And I tell you, I know the Lord will direct you. Most people aren't called to preach like I am today in this capacity. But everyone's called to carry the message. The message of the good news. And it'll come out different from you than it will from me. But I tell you, the Lord will be glorified as we bring it to a lost and dying world. Amen. Pray with me today. Father, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your love, your mercy, your tenderness, your kindness. Thank you, Lord. Even when we've gotten distracted by the things of this world, we're coming back. We are refocusing again today. Thank you for your help in this regard. You've been so merciful Have mercy on us, we pray. Thank you for your forgiveness, your love. Lord, for when we've been distracted, we've been misguided and misfocused. Help us to see what you see. Help us, I pray, to have your heart and rejoice over the right things in this life. To have the heart of heaven and help us to reach the lost, I pray and teach the found, wherever we go, in whatever we do. Thank you for the...